second best way is doing very good outreach, like video, warm content, a little bit persistent as well, and selling the position, selling the organization. And in a lot of ways for bootstrap business, selling the founder. People underestimate how important it is. And, and candidates who want to progress in the career, they know that. A good boss, a good founder who is going to act as a mentor, help you develop your skills, help you develop into that specific skill sets. That's very important. And uh, too often, I think founders undersell themselves. You need to sell yourself as a mm -hmm. founder because a lot of people, if you've made eight, nine figures, whatever, they're going to look up to you, right? Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another Ecom Ops podcast. Today I am pleased to talk to Julian from JPNB Consulting. I'm so happy to have you. Julian, tell me a bit more about yourself and about your consulting firm. What are you doing? Yes, it's very simple. We help e-commerce owners and marketing agencies to recruit the best people for their business. It's very straightforward. It's a very simple service that's been existing for, I don't know how many hundreds of years. It's helping people recruit the best people. It's as simple as this. That's great, but it doesn't sound that simple to be honest, because I know that it is very hard to find the right people for a company. Can you tell me a bit more about how are you doing that and how you came into the niche yeah, of e-commerce? So I'll start with how I came into the niche of e-commerce. So I wasn't predisposed to have a recruiting business or anything like this initially. What happened is that I started working in the legal industry in my country in France, and then I moved to more like corporate roles and stuff like this. And um, I had a, a friend of mine had an Amazon FBA business, pretty big one, 2016, 2018. He was making lots of money with this and he was looking for a chief of staff. I reached out to him. I said I was interested because it was a remote job and I just had my first son. I was interested to just move out of London, get a remote job and stuff like this. And what happened is after a year, he started introducing me to some of his friends of the e-commerce owners. And who needed help with recruiting, needed help with organizing the HR and stuff like this as they were scaling. And then all of a sudden I had a business. That's how it happened. How do you manage those challenges of finding the right stuff for companies? I think first of all, I always try to understand what the, what the business owner actually needs. And the way I work is I try to translate their business need in terms of revenue or profits or whatever businesses are trying to solve into an actual person. And to do this, we look at, I always, you know, work with my clients, try and what's your objective? What's your objective to solve with this position? What are going to be the objective of this person to deliver? If you had someone and you were doing a performance review with that person after the first month, the second month, the third month, what would you be looking at? What would be the KPI? And then we take these KPI and these objective and we, and I help my clients translate these into skills, knowledge, and attitudes, which is the three things you're looking at when you recruit. And this way, we can be a lot more scientific into your recruitment. We can have a level of, I would say, we can anticipate the performance of someone's coming up in the business this way, because you know the objective that's going to be need to be filled. You know the KPI. You can derive the daily action that's going to be needed. And then what kind of person can do these daily actions properly, very well at the high level? That's how we do it. And then mm -hmm. you can derive, as I said, attitude, 
skills, and knowledge. These are the three things. The attitude is what you're made of, what you can't really learn or change. The skills is what is the stuff you know how to do. For example, running Facebook ads, running Google ads, doing good copywriting. And then knowledge is your, your knowledge, you know, like maybe you need knowledge of the pet industry because you, you're selling into the pet industry. Maybe you need knowledge of running a podcast, for example. I don't know. And then we have a good photography in a way of the ideal candidate. And then we can source that easily and do a bit of testing and things to see, does this actually match this person we found on LinkedIn or on Jogboard or whatever? Does this actually match what we want? And then for that, you use testing. You test just a few things you need to test. And then you can be fairly confident with a process like this that you are recruiting without your gut and your emotions, but more in an analytical way that delivers very good candidates. Yeah, and in general, to be honest, I like analytical ways mm. always. It's always for marketing as well. The decision if an ad looks good or not is not made by the owner. The decision of an ad looks good or not is made by That's the right. audience. And this is something that you see in analytics. And I like sense. that approach. At least here, where I am in Austria and also in the countries that I know, finding good people really became a very hard work. How you, do you solve that problem of finding people that are willing to change their job or even find people willing to maybe change even their business? Yeah, it's a good question. So there's two things with this. Number one is your attractiveness as an employer, as a brand. So first of all, employer branding, right? Yeah, employer so branding. We, so it doesn't need to be super complicated, but just a few elements of content. So I'll just give an example, a very concrete example. There's a lot of people, especially in the e-com niche, who, as I said, they want to test candidates. So they harvest candidates, wherever they're from, maybe direct approach, maybe job board, whatever. And then they send these people to a very dull-looking Google form with a lot of questions to answer. Okay, And then they get like maybe one, the 1% best that they bring to an interview and stuff. I always say to these people, look, the people who are ready to jump through a very dull-looking Google Doc and go through a lot of questions, they're the people who don't have a job right now and are a bit desperate. The people who have a very good job right now and who are very are good performers, they're not going to want to go and do this. They're not going to want to go simply through a very dull-looking Google form. If you want to attract very good people, you need to invest a little bit of content, number one. So if you want to create a test to test people, I always add a video. I use Typeform, for example, and I have a video and I explain what is the purpose of the test? Why are we doing this test? At least it sends waves of respect to the candidate that say, I'm asking some a bit of your time to fill up a test, but this is why we're doing it. And once we're doing this, is the next step. So that they understand a little bit. In the same way, when you're sourcing candidates, I always try to add a video message of some sort so that they see my face, they see who I am, and I create the connection straight away. It's actually very similar to marketing. You wouldn't outreach to potential clients with, if you do, and you use a template message, you get a lot of rejection. And the very good clients are not going to be very interested in this because they know their worth, right? So you need to, if you want to outreach to very good clients, the best thing, number one, is recommendation. It's the same for candidates. If you have a, a large pool of candidates, I've been recruiting for a number of years, so I have a large pool of candidates in the e-com industry. I can quickly send an email to a few people I know and stuff and get recommended and connection and stuff and get intros. That's the best way. The second best way is doing very good outreach, you know, like video, warm content, 
a little bit persistent as well and selling the position, selling the organization. And in a lot of ways for bootstrap business, selling the founder. People underestimate how important it is. And, and candidates who want to progress in the career, they know that. A good boss, a good founder who is going to act as a mentor, help you develop your skills, help you develop into that specific skill sets. That's very important. And uh, too often, I think founders undersell themselves. You need to sell yourself as a mm -hmm. founder because a lot of people, if you've made eight, nine figures, whatever, they're going to look up to you, right? They are keen yeah. to learn from you. And that's a good selling point. That's very interesting. You hear it very often in every kind of purpose, not only for finding employees, also for marketing, also for the story around a startup or around a company, that the founder is a very important face that you need to put visible to everyone on, in any aspect. If you talk about e-commerce, what have you seen so far? What are the people that you need in your team if you're growing your e-commerce store? The most important position. Most important position to grow your e-commerce store. I, from what I have seen, there are two types of e-com founders. One that are very operational and that are one that are very marketing driven. So if you're marketing yeah. driven, your most important position is going to be your ops director. Someone who can manage your customer service, who can manage a lot of your marketing, I would say deliver like your SEO and the operational stuff, the day-to-day -day things. If you are a good marketer and you don't have that person to, to rely on, you're always having your hands dirty in the day-to-day -day business and you're being distracted from your zone of genius. And in the same way, if you're very good operational, but you're, you're struggling a little bit with marketing, you need a very strong marketer in place with you. Sadly, you're going to pay a lot more for a good marketer than you pay for a good operator. That's a market that's not, but that is true. But a very yeah, strong true. marketer will definitely skyrocket your business if that's an area where you're not the best. But yes, for, I think for probably because 70% of, I think, very strong founders in e-commerce are very good marketer. So a strong ops guy who's going to manage your team, most of your delivery team, like your customer service, your relationship with your transporter, logistics, all this stuff that is, if it's not ticking, catastrophe, right? You're getting bad reviews. You're always in your business. You don't sleep. It's terrible. That's a very important position. If you're at that stage and you want to grow, that position, like investing two, two, two and a half thousand, three thousand dollars a month into a very strong operator is very important. I think that's really important because I also know a lot of e-com store owners. And this is why I asked that question. What kind of a team do, do you need? This is what I see as well. A lot of store owners have or are good yeah. marketers. And they made it until a specific point, but now their operations are it's really leaking yes. yeah, and destroying the good yes. reputation. You can handle a lot of orders yourself you and without any operator. But as soon as there is a specific yeah. point, you need someone who really can take care about that part because typically good marketers seldom are good yes. operators. Yes, it is true. It is true. And the thing with that as well is it's exactly what you said. It's, it's a compounding effect. And it's, you know, when we talk about exponential growth, you want to fill up, you know, there's a story where you have a drop of water that falls into that's a Webley stadium, for example. And then after you have two drops and then you have four drops and stuff. A second before the stadium is half full. And then the next second, it's yeah. absolutely full because it's exponential growth. It's the same thing with this operation director. You think you don't need it, But the second after you pass a certain threshold, 
it starts cracking and leaking everywhere. And you end up with so yeah. much stuff and you say, what's going on? My business is falling to, to pieces. It's not. It's just you reach the stage where actually you need to have good operations, strong operations, because what you're doing right now is not cutting it. You cannot achieve everything yourself and with team that is not dedicated to, to specific yes. topics. What are your, your success stories? How could, did you help customers? Do you have something in mind that you could tell our audience how you got involved and improved the success? Yeah, of but there's a, there's a lot of them. To be honest, when you're recruiting people, especially in e-commerce, and I always take the example of all football in Europe, soccer for the Americans. Yeah. So you play with 11 players each side, and uh, you also have maybe seven, eight subs. You compare the impact of one player, one good player is 10% of the team, a bit less. Compare that with basketball, where you have only five against five. And they also play defense and offense. They play both. So a very strong player has a huge impact on the success of a team because there's so many, there's so few a player. It's the same with e-com. A lot of the, uh, you know, the um, uh, management books and management theory and stuff is created for large companies. In e-com, we can actually achieve a huge amount of growth and profits and stuff with very few people. That's why selecting them is very important because they have a huge impact, disproportionate impact on the size of the business because we work with very few people. And for that reason, when you recruit for, that's, that's what I love recruiting for e-com is you have a huge impact every single time you make a very good recruit because there's so few people. Yeah. A very strong marketing director in an e-com business can have incredible impact. A strong operator, the same, a very good developer that makes a site so much faster and stuff and helps. It has a massive impact. I think this is how I reached out to you, because you've interviewed Ronnie, a good friend of mine, and I've worked yep. with Ronnie for a number of years now. And he was typically in this situation where he had grown his business very fast. He was very successful. He's a very smart guy. He's very successful. But he was in a situation where everything was cracking because he had not invested enough in his operation and he was doing a lot of his operation himself. And he was having very bad reviews. He was having lots of problems with his team. They were not being managed properly. It was a bit of a mess and we worked together and we, we had a very strong operator for him, changed a lot of his culture and stuff like this. And you know, now he's absolutely flying and he can remove himself from his business and he's got a great results with this. It's so important to invest just before yeah. you reach that cracking point. So important. That's really important. I agree. Absolutely. Finding the right people is at least now one of the hardest things I can imagine as a founder. And I know that you need to, first of all, find ways to get in front of the right audience. And LinkedIn, as you said, might be really a good channel for that, depending on the region. But when we talk about the region, for your clients, what is important? Is it important nowadays that the people are in the same city or country or it doesn't matter anymore and you can hire from additional countries in specific regions or how do you It's approach that? It's a very good question. And with this, I know a lot of people have very strong bias towards this. It's, it's almost like a religion now. You're the remote religion, yeah. you're, the, you're the office religion, whatever. I think with this, you've got to be very humble. Different situations to different type of people. There's some people, their culture is to be based everywhere. They value freedom a lot and they can handle that. Some people can't really do this. They recognize they're not as strong in terms of culture and management, and they want people in an office with them. My personal take is that the remote thing is great, but you need to understand that it comes. So it's great because you can pay people cheaper. 
let's be honest, the talent is more widely available. You can hire from any country, so you can source in Eastern Europe, even though you're based in Canada, for example. You save a lot of money, and you can access, I think, a very strong talent pool for the money you pay. However, it comes with its own challenges. Time zone can be difficult to manage sometimes. And also, it's harder to manage people who work remotely as opposed to who come in the office. And you get yeah. into, if you don't do remote properly, and if you, I know a lot of people do this as well, we'll talk about it, you source people in Facebook groups and in these sort of ways and stuff, you can quickly get into a situation where you hire people who are dishonest, are going to use remote as a way of cheating their contract with you, and also do even worse thing and stuff. So you've got to be a little bit careful with remote. It's not all dancing and and fancy, you know, there's a limitation to each model. I certainly advocate remote, but for some people, it's just not the right choice. And I respect that as well. Yeah. I'm also interested a bit in your opinion about AI. Yeah. How, how will it replace jobs or how do you see the future trends in e-commerce building and managing teams, especially with AI involved and evolving nature of remote work and digital transformations combined with all these future trends? I, I see that in a very simple way. To me, AI is the tractor and the machine when they came up in agriculture. What happened with this? You yeah. look at the data from, I don't know, 1900, 1930 even. I think I saw that a farmer would feed around 15 to 16 people. And nowadays a farmer can feed around 100 people. That's what's going to happen. That's what's happening with AI, to be honest. It's an opportunity to me to make very good employee even more productive. The kind of job I think which are going to be eliminated are the mundane job, VA in some expect, in some respect. I think a lot of content writers as well who are just there to chuck t typical SEO content and stuff. It's now, cause it's interesting. There are a lot of people at the beginning of ChatGPT and stuff who said, Oh, Good content writers are going to be out of job and stuff. And you're going to be able to find people who are maybe very beginners based in cheaper regions to be able to create great content. In fact, it's the other way around. <laughs> it is these writers are going to struggle to find job. And you can now have a very great writer who can work part-time for you and create a huge amount of excellent content that you don't even have to touch or anything. That's more the way, you know, it's making very strong writers who have probably out of a budget for a lot of people, affordable, because their productivity has been, has exploded, simply. Has exploded. Also on that, it's the same opinion that I have, actually. I don't think that AI will cost jobs. No. It will just improve the workload of a lot of people and make, it, make them better yeah. available. And I see it in our team as well. We have two content writers that are dedicated And they have always been overloaded yep. with work. And now they are not that much overloaded anymore because they can get a few of ideas yep. and concepts and research from AI, but they do still a lot of work and work on those to improve the content and make it better structured, better analyzed, checking the sources and making them accurate. This takes time, but I see that, yeah, it's just not over. Overloaded no, anymore no. that much. I think Schumpeter was from your country, Austria, wasn't he? that Schumpeter, you know, the economist, the creative destruction. Yeah. I think it's a very good, I've reread the books, you know, from Schumpeter. And uh, in this age of AI, it's a very, it's a very good read right now to get reminded that progress, it does destruct, destroy jobs. 
it also creates a lot of them on another part of the economy. And that's what we are seeing. You know, it's a, it's simply a redistribution of resources. Awesome. Julian, last question Please. for the day. As usual, who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your the career? The most about e-commerce. I think Ronnie, to be honest. Ronnie has told me yeah. a lot about e-commerce. I've been fortunate to work with him for quite a long time. And yeah, by working with Ronnie, I have learned a huge amount on e-commerce. He's been... For, for purely on e-com, he's been a great mentor. I don't think he knows this, but I think he has definitely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We will ping him, him when we release Please the podcast. Do. And of course, guys, if you missed that episode, oh, we're going to cross-reference it again in the blog post related to this episode. So you can find it in the link then. Thanks so Thanks much, for Julian, for your time. It was really a pleasure talking Likewise. to you, learning a bit more about HR in e-commerce, which is, yeah, Not impossible to do, but very, yeah, very, a very powerful job you need to dedicate yourself on or where you need to talk to an expert like Julian and get your stuff in the right shape, the right people right. for the right jobs. Good, good quote. Yeah. Thank you Take so much. Have bye. a great time. Bye-bye. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time. 